0: It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish! Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another! The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together! The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it!
1: Welcome to a Wednesday edition of The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty. along with my producer, Michael Brauner, in the building today want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening and of course you can give us a call at 251-694-1055 or you can reach out to us in the app we love corresponding with you there also and of course we don't want you to forget a week left in the 2023 nappy awards and michael braun and i coming off our round two victory of cornhole of course We won't even discuss basketball, how that round one went. But WNSP nominated for seven awards there for the Nappy Awards. We would love for you guys to go and vote. Of course, vote for the final drive for best sports show under the media tab. And you have one week remaining to vote for the final drive. So we would appreciate your vote, Michael Bronner and I both. Michael. How's it going this afternoon, my friend?
2: Very good. Big. Uh, just want to give a quick shout out to a bunch of local area high school coaches. I, you know, I won't run through all the names because it'll it'll take an hour. But you know, Nick and Nathan and I were driving all around the county. It really felt like all around the state picking up jerseys. We're doing a little studio remodel coming up. Uh, So, you know, stay tuned for that, but we're going to be putting a bunch of, you know, trying to get all 33, but we're going to be putting up uh, a jersey of each team on the wall for the studio remodel. So big thanks to all the schools that have donated a jersey and really excited to uh, see how that comes out.
1: Well, excited about having athletes from around Mobile and Baldwin County come in here to WNSP studio and sign the jerseys and be part of the new studio experience here That Nick Wiggins our program director has done a wonderful job of spearheading and you know when you get invited to the WNSP studio to sign the jersey you know it's a big time deal and to come in here and we're excited that we're a flagship station of covering high school athletics and of course this entire summer we'll be bringing in student athletes to come in and sign their school jerseys and get on our new wall of fame at WNSP and yesterday before we went off the air there was of course that rain delay in Hoover, Alabama in the first game and the Alabama Crimson Tide were able to knock off the Kentucky Wildcats 4 to 0 and now have the opportunity to play the Florida Gators this afternoon at 4:30 currently playing Texas A&M is leading Arkansas Four to one and that would be a little bit of an upset but I don't know if there's such thing as an upset in Hoover Alabama in the SEC baseball tournament because they've been beating up on each other but it's double elimination time in Alabama and Auburn both stay alive in the SEC tournament Auburn advances with a 10 to 4 victory over the number 12 seeded Missouri Tigers and of course now Auburn will, place, will play Vanderbilt so
2: we'll keep you updated on all the scores there and the only upset would be, like, sunshine over rain.
1: Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, so far today, they're on schedule and no weather delays as they had that yesterday. But, you know, Michael, we've been covering back the entire basketball season, it feels like, especially this new year with the Alabama Crimson Tide and and being following the Darius Miles' situation with the Alabama basketball team. And, of course, today Darius Miles, facing capital murder charges on that shooting that took place on campus, was denied bond. And you're not really surprised because he had pleaded not guilty in January, but they had the support of some of his former teammates, Javon Quinterly and Jaden Quinterly, his brother, Noah Gurley, all we're at the hearing today, but any surprise there that Bond was denied by for Darius Miles?
2: Uh, I guess you'd have to ask a lawyer in terms of surprise level with yeah. uh, with a case like this, obviously with Miles specifically, you know, given that he wasn't the shooter. Uh, the waters are a little bit muddied legally, so I don't know what the likelihood of him getting bond. What you know, given new evidence coming to light that the defense is presenting, whether you know now it becomes possibly a case of self-defense, and I don't know if that's actually true or not, but that's certainly what they're going to argue. Um, you know, I would have thought maybe there's a chance. Uh, you hate it for him that he is denied bond and is going to have to sit in Tuscaloosa County Jail for the next probably two or three years and and wait for trial and, uh, and find out his fate. Uh, So, you know, I I don't know what the real chances were of that. I know Cedric Johnson, the uh, boyfriend of Jamea Harris, did actually show up in court today and was subpoenaed and will end up testifying. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was probably the most notable piece of news today uh, because to to this point he hadn't been in court. So uh, that's certainly something noteworthy there. Ryan Phillips over at Tuscaloosa Patch has done a phenomenal job uh covering this and we've had him on a couple of times i believe we're going to have him on friday at five o'clock and he'll break down you know he came out with a long piece which you can check out on twitter at the tuscaloosa patch so uh he'll he'll come on on friday at five o'clock and break that down for us a little bit and maybe make the picture a bit more clear
1: yeah i mean again judge denies the bond of former alabama basketball player darius miles there so We'll we'll move on from that basketball, college basketball story, to the story that happened in the NBA last night. And I I really thought that I would be showing up this afternoon and talking about one of the most historic franchises in the history of the NBA. The Lakers already swept. I thought we were going to be talking Celtic sweep again today also. Not the case, Michael Brauner as... I guess the the four-leaf clover, <laughs> I, I, if that's what you want to call it, the uh, four-game series, not the three-leaf clover, the four-leaf clover, Boston Celtics found a way to stave off elimination last night. And when they were down nine points in the third quarter
2: early, I said or they're in done. in the first quarter. They're, they're done. Yeah. I, I knew it, they were it, it looked like it could be get out of hand quickly so credit to them and they certainly didn't roll over and die like i think we both expected them to Uh, they looked like a dead team in game three and they find a way to not get swept win a game on the road now they get to go back home and try to really i mean it's a series you win game five i imagine they're going to be pretty big favorites in game five in boston you lose the first two you have to think they probably win a game at home i don't know the question now becomes is this a series?
1: it's, gl- it's great that basketball is going to continue to be played tomorrow, but the Miami Heat had every opportunity to go ahead and just slam the door shut and get plenty of rest for the Denver Nuggets upcoming. But I've been begging Jason Tatum to show up. Finally did. And last night, Jason Tatum does show up for the game. 33 points for Tatum, 29 points for jimmy butler but if the celtics are able to find a way to win at home and make this go to game six can they stretch it out to game seven because my original prediction was
2: the celtics in six i had celtics in five which was foolish and i did i believe change it after game one to miami in six so I don't know it's shaping it's shaping up that my my revised prediction could could end up right cuz I do think the Celtics probably win game 5 in Boston although you know prediction wise we've been pretty off <laughs> on pretty much every game so maybe put the house on heat money line in uh, in game 5 but no I mean if if you go and lose if you're Miami and you go and lose game 5 in Boston game 6 is essentially game 7 because you lose game 6 you gotta go back to boss i correct me if i'm wrong i don't think anyone has even no. forced a game seven not, down not three oh. down
1: three no three i oh.
2: i think in nba history i think i think uh not only are teams oh and 149 went down went down 3-0 so the heat trying to extend that win streak to 150 but i don't believe that a team has even forced a game seven uh someone in the app or called two five one six nine four one zero five five. 1055 correct me if i'm wrong but I, I believe that to be the case i don't think a game seven has ever been forced when down 3-0 so i mean you lose game five the pressure immediately and it almost is already but you lose game five the pressure immediately shifts to the heat celtics are playing with house money right now
1: well well, they had no business being down three games to one anyway but but i'm still waiting for brown and tatum to be on the same page just like it's almost like one, Joker one, one goes
2: off and it, the other does They doesn't. have
1: to be on the exact same page in regards to scoring for them to have a series and to give life. Now, I will say this. Brown made the statement, you let us win this one. You let us win one, and we'll continue to stay alive. Now, he, he can prove to be a prophet. He'll have every opportunity
2: to stay alive. And You ever see uh – the 30 for 30, four days in October, about the Red Sox Yankees series in 2004.
1: No, yeah, I, I did. Ke- I Kevin did.
2: Kevin Millar says to uh, Red Sox first baseman, I believe at the time, uh, says to Dan Shaughnessy, Boston Globe reporter, this is before game four when they got smoked by the Yankees in game three in Fenway Park. says to him before game four, don't let the Sox win tonight. <laughs> we win game four. We got Pedro game five. We got Schilling game six. Game seven, anything can happen. And, th- and that's what it is right now. Like, if you're Miami, don't let the Celtics win game four. Game five, you're going back to Boston. Game six, who knows? Game seven, back to Boston again. Anything can happen. But
1: to me, Spolstra is a good enough coach to find a way. And credit to Joe Mazzulla. He he said he didn't have the guys he ready to play. Up. He Whatever pep talk he gave worked. Uh, especially coming out of halftime, because early in the third quarter the Celtics are down nine.
2: They're down six at half as well, yeah.
1: Down nine in the third quarter, though, and that's when you're like, okay, they're going, they're going to go ahead and choke it up. The Celtics are done. Roll over and, and die. Now all of a sudden you start hitting one or two shots, and basketball becomes a game of runs, and you outscore the Heat thirty-eight to twenty-three. And you don't choke it away.
2: And they were up in the fourth, and then I think the Heat cut it to five, which I believe, and this is a ridiculous step, but Miami going into game four, I believe is six and two in games in the playoffs that they've trailed by 10 or more points, which is almost unbelievable to say. But that that's reality. Miami cuts to five. Then what does Jason Tatum do? Goes and hits a three for the yeah. first time in the fourth quarter of the entire series. You know, gets things under control. And then the Celtics feel like, all right, you know, we got this. We're going to win this game. Now we go, go, we go back to Boston. And who knows, man? Do you think, uh, I, am I crazy in saying that maybe, maybe?
1: If, if this is a seven game series, I think the Miami Heat fans will, won't forgive. They'll forget about good playoff Jimmy. They'll forget about good Eric Spolstra. You All they'll see is series. the fact that we just blew a 3 0 lead in a seven game series. You'll be and remembered for that one. Out. Now, I, I just think that, look, they're going to go to Boston, they're going to enjoy. Boston, they're not. Boston's going to handle their business, but this has just been one of those playoffs altogether. When if you're a gambler right now, you're sick. You're you're, you're sick and you're losing money left and right. And Vegas is too, because I guarantee Vegas had Someone's Celtics got to win handling their business. And if you said no, I, I'm a believer in the Celtics. You, you won money last night, and if that's the case, then. I think this will go at least six. If it goes seven, I I think that the Heat will see nightmares because Tatum, he's going to light up like a Christmas tree and and have an opportunity to have two historic 50-point
2: game sevens. But keep an eye on uh, Gabe Vinson as well for the Heat. He tweaked an ankle late in the – Late in the fourth quarter, I believe. So I I can't remember if he came back in or not, but certainly a story to monitor moving and, and forward.
1: Appreciate the help in the app saying it's never happened before with down three. Yeah, so a, a, in a, a game seven
2: never been forced. Game but, seven but never been forced.
1: Would, would that would that not be the ultimate choke job in all of sports? I don't care if it's professional, college. That would be. A tremendous choke job because the Heat have mashed all the correct buttons through three games. And last night, when Jimmy Butler was an elite, and I mean, there's nothing shabby about scoring 29 points.
2: Keep in mind, the Heat aren't very good. And I understand they've been playing very well, and so it sounds ridiculous to say that. And Jimmy Butler has been spectacular, but this team was an eight seed. This team wasn't good Play-in in the regular season. This team was a play in 8 seed and was not good in if the they regular don't season.
1: Nick Wiggins Hawks
2: then they're in super duper trouble. So I don't think it's the Celtics are the better team entering this series. Obviously they're severely out coached and they've been severely outplayed and out-efforted throughout the series, hey, but
1: User in the app says 0 and 159. Whew, yeah, uh, down I mean, 03. Yeah, you know, the numbers right there if you're a betting guy, go ahead and put numbers on that.
2: I'll I'll tell you Take what those odds. Bet, betting wise, it was I believe Celtics were like plus seven hundred or something to win the series before last night, which was not good enough uh to wager on. Th- those odds weren't friendly enough. But after they win game four, it goes to like plus two fifty. Which, I mean that tells that tells you everything you need to know about what Vegas think is like all right they got game four it's possible it's not it's uh it's not teams have come back from down three one doesn't matter they were down three0 now it's three one it's uh it's three one now so you know it's not over
1: no I, I'm just excited at the fact that if if you're not gonna get swept at least the Celtics didn't roll over and die and that's one and great we get thing. more basketball the, the, another game to be played and, and We'll see if they're able. Now it's just one game at a time because they can't look at the overall series being trailing three to one. It's going to be one game at a time for the Celtics and the Heat. Just know they have to find a way to to put four quarters together and win just that one game. And my money's on the Heat being able to go ahead and. You put think the they Celtics win Game Five? Away. No, they won't win Game Five. The Heat will win in Miami in game six. All but right. Would love to see it go seven for sure. On the other side of this break, it's that time of year to where magazines love to name all conference performers and players. The Sunbelt Conference has their fair share, but South Alabama has a whole lot of nominations for all Sunbelt preseason.
3: Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile.
1: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. want to thank everyone for tuning in here today to the final drive. And, of course, we have at 3.30, Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Andrew Bone at 4 o'clock with the tired recruiting news that has recently gone on. Travis Brown will be talking about the Texas A&M Aggies. And then at 5 o'clock, scheduled to have a local mobilian from Pritchard, Alabama, one of Blunt's finest, Damian Craig, scheduled to join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And, of course, then we'll throw it deep to Michael Bronner at 5.30 here on WNSP 105.5. And, you know, with the success of the South Alabama Jaguar program last year, Kane Womack really exposing the entire country to what Jaguar football will look like in his second year and this upcoming his third. A lot of recognition, especially when you have so many returners coming to the South Alabama Jaguar program. Athlon Sports always honors the best players in each conference, and their preseason rankings have 18 selections from South Alabama. James Madison with 12, Troy with 11, Coastal Carolina with 10, Marshall with 9, and Georgia State with 9. But with South Alabama's first team Offensive selections. You would have thought possibly that Carter Bradley, the starting quarterback of the Jaguars, would have been named a first-team offensive guy. Well, under Aplin Sports, but Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, he's that guy, first-team all offense for Aplin.
2: That's what I was gonna say. Like, and I'm a huge fan of Carter Bradley. You know, I think he's got really as strong an arm as anyone in the country. But I, McCall is borderline a superstar so it's hard to sit here and say bradley should be ahead of mccall on a on a preseason uh, first team all sunbelt you know uh bradley gets the respect of getting named second team i, I think he's gonna have another huge season you know Devin voison right there on the second team as well like i said I, i'm as high on carter bradley as anyone i i just think it, it's a little bit hard to eclipse a guy in grace mccall who's been a legitimate star at coastal now for really three years
1: i, I will say this though I think that that will help him have a chip on his shoulder, not to do too much, but just to do enough. And his enough is something that can be historic for South Alabama. From a running back room position in the Sunbelt Conference, LaDamian Webb continues to impress the writers and and the voters there at Athlon. But Frank Gore Jr. from Southern Miss, I, I think that those two guys definitely will have an opportunity to make money at the next level,
2: Frank Gore Jr. went ahead and had a million yards right here in Mobile yeah. in the Lending Tree Bowl. So yeah, that probably put him there by default as well. Colin Lacy, I see uh, first team punt return, uh, which is which is great. You know he's electric back there. So cool stuff there, man. It's uh, it's gonna be a fun season I think again for South Alabama.
1: I- I'm still, I, I really am. Michael, I I guess you can call it through my South Alabama lenses or eyes. I'm still a Carter Bradley fan. I really am. I I know that I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And like I said, don't do too much, you know, because he he has. When I tell you that he's one of those quarterbacks, you're like, please slide, please slide. And he takes the hit anyway to get that extra yard Mm. head first. He doesn't know what running out of bounds is. And I just think he's going to have to protect his body in order for South Alabama to be protected. But I really do think when this list starts at the end of the season, you'll see if Carter Bradley is able to stay healthy, he'll be on that first team offense. And there's no doubt in my mind, LaDamian Webb and Frank Gore Jr. are going to be in someone's next level backfield. And from a defensive standpoint, one of the best names ever, Yam Banks. (laughs) Yam yeah, Banks playing uh, in safety for the Jaguars is on their first team defense. And of course, Keith Gallman Jr. coming off his surgery for South Alabama at that safety position also adds that depth. And I know he's going to be tremendously happy. I saw him at the team focus banquet. And Keith Gallman Jr. is one of those names. He he's a striker. He'll, he'll come and he'll lick you. And he he can play multiple positions as well. And as good as South Alabama's defense was last year, you add him back to the mix. I think they're going to be even better.
2: Yeah, we'll talk about the uh, the SEC ones in a little bit as well because uh, Steve Lassen over at Ath- Athlon does a great job with these preseason for all conference teams. And uh, there's some inter- interesting decisions quarterback-wise on the SEC one. So we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely get into those a little bit later as well.
1: First team specialist Colin Lacey makes that list also, and From a second-team offense, Devin Voison at wide receiver for South Alabama. And, of course, second-team defense, Wachivius Thomas is on that list, along with Trey Kaiser at linebacker. So you definitely have your kicker in Diego Guardo from Daphne High School and punter Jack Brooks. So South Alabama definitely littering the Athlon Sports Preseason All Sunbelt Conference Team members and congratulations to them. Let's hope they live up to that hype. Here coming up at 3.30 today we have Connor O'Gara Saturday Down South joining us next here on the Final Drive.
0: Hi, this is Blake Stein former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive here. Corey Labonte along with my producer, Michael Brawner, joining you this hump day and hope everybody's having a great week so far. And, of course, it's 99 days away from the start of collegiate football. Can't wait for that. And who better to bring on than Connor O'Gara, senior national columnist for Saturday Down South. And, of course, you know how we do it down here in the south – on Saturdays tailgating football galore and want to welcome Connor to the final drive this afternoon how are you doing today my friend
4: I'm hanging in there. You know, I, I see that countdown to less than 100 days to college football, and I think to myself, all right, we're, we're we're in the clear. We I know we got a long ways to go, but that's a better place to be than looking up and realizing there's still 140 days left for college football.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you 1,000% there, Connor, and look forward to hooking up and meeting you at SEC Media Days in July. But before we get to there, I know earlier last week, the ea sports dropped the fact that hey look 2024 it's coming ea sports it's in the game how excited are you with the fact that you're gonna be able to get back on college football on whatever console it is that you love to play it
4: i'm gonna be honest like i haven't been a video guy since probably right around that time like 2013 (laughs) 2014 And I don't know if that's directly related to the fact that we haven't had a college college football video game in what will be a decade. But, man, my my interest is is definitely peaking. I, I used to spend many, many an hour back in the day with those Tebow led Gators, because you know, if you're playing that game, you got to have a mobile quarterback, you got to yeah. have an offense that can do some different <laughs> things. And I, I feel like this is going to be such a, a boom for the sport and something that is feels like we've been talking about it forever. But the fact yeah. that we're actually going to get players likeness and kind of feels like it's being done in the right way. And that's what I think is, is going to be unique about it. I think it's only going to help the popularity of the sport and as much as people can say, like, even if they're not video game people, I think being able to get all fan bases involved and kind of, you know, being more heavily invested in not just your specific team, but being involved in teams from coast to coast, I think this is a good thing that's really going to help the sport.
1: It, it's really going to help grow the sport dynasty mode, all the new stadiums that are up and around and have been built. It's going to be great for college football fans and just for video game geeks. In general, because I used to be one of those video game geeks for sure sitting in front of Madden in college football. And I'm like you really haven't indulged in the game since college football has gone away. But knowing that it is coming to real life and not in artificial intelligence or virtually here in ninety nine days. Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs just continue to take PR hits off of the field, but continue to get great results on the field as their latest wide receiver, Marcus Rosme Jackson gets into a little trouble and charged with reckless driving. I think the only reason that it's brought to the light is because of the death, the problems that Jalen Carter had and the death of one of the Georgia players a few months ago.
4: It's a problem too. I mean, you've got also a stud linebacker with issues with reckless driving. I mean, this is becoming a thing. I think it's very easy in college football to, to look at a team when there's a handful of arrests in the off season, and we say, oh, they have a culture problem and realizing it's, it's really difficult to, to manage that many college kids. and It's going to be something that there's probably even more temptation than ever now with NIL and, and some of the money that these kids are getting. And it's not to, to minimize it, but I, I think you look at the reckless driving issues that, that have happened. And when there's a tragedy like this, you're exactly right. I mean, we do pay more attention to it and it does feel like something that Kirby Smart absolutely needs to address. And this 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 can't be a, a headline that we continue to see and, and it shouldn't necessarily take a tragedy for change to happen. But man, I mean, it just kind of frustrates you when you're seeing this play out. And when you're seeing, oh, a guy, you know, going 90 miles an hour and he's weaving in and out of traffic, it's just like, man, you know, some kids don't don't realize they're not invincible until it's too late. And I know we talked about that a lot with the Henry Rugg situation, but, man, it, it's just such a shame, and I guess it's a good thing that something worse didn't happen from this, but it does feel like this is something that Georgia, and, you know, there, there are, I'm sure there are a lot of programs outside of Georgia that feel like they need to get a handle on, especially if kids are getting, you know, cars and, and whatnot in and NIL deals when they think they are invincible, and in reality they're not.
2: Talking to Connor O'Gara, Senior National Columnist for Saturday Down South, hosts the Saturday Down South pod. Connor, uh, I want to ask you about Tennessee. Obviously, all the talk in the SEC East, rightfully so, is about Georgia. I mean, is there any chance that Tennessee could mess around and, and win the SEC East?
4: Let me say it in Spanish for you. No, um, no. <laughs> look, I, I I, was the guy last year who, look, I said anywhere at any time, I thought Tennessee was going to beat Georgia. I thought they were going to go into Athens. I said this is the year that Tennessee beats Georgia, gets over the hump. Little did I know that Tennessee was going to beat all of its other rivals, but not necessarily Georgia. But one of the things that, that I continue to come back to is like, look, what Georgia just did changes the conversation about Kirby Smart. When you are able to take a team that had 15 players selected in the NFL draft off of a team that won a national championship for the first time in four decades and you turn around with that team the very next year and you repeat knowing how hard it is to do that in this sport, a feat that's only happened four times since 1980. To me, that changes how we talk about you. And it changes how we look at Georgia from year to year. And you could point to, oh, you know what? They've got a deficiency there. Oh, the bear Alexander transferred to USD. That's going to hurt their defensive lines at this. We can ask all these questions, but until we actually see this play out, For a Georgia team that hasn't lost a regular season game since the middle of 2020, I can't get there, and I'm not going to get there. And I don't think that it's fair to say that Tennessee or anybody else is on that level yet because to beat Georgia and win the SEC, to win the SEC East, you you have to go undefeated. You have to go undefeated or you have to go 11-1, and I don't think Tennessee, after losing its best quarterback since Peyton Manning, is going to be in position to do that and that's not necessarily a slight on Tennessee, but I think we just need to respect Georgia, and even though it's boring, we can say that Georgia is the cream of the crop, and, and no, nobody else is winning that division.
2: Well, another big talking point with Georgia this off season has been their schedule, and again, it is, it is charm and soft, and yeah, they were supposed to play Oklahoma, but they're coming to the SEC, didn't stop Alabama from playing Texas last year and this year, but be that as it may, are you a believer in, in the theory that, say, Georgia doesn't get challenged for 12 weeks and then they, I guess they're in the playoff regardless if they go 12-0, and but do you think that that hurts them going into a potential SEC championship matchup against whether it's LSU, whether it's Alabama, and then headed into the playoff against more real competition?
4: Uh, it could hurt in a way, but let, let me clear something up uh, for, for Georgia to cancel the Oklahoma. It, it's, it's entirely different than the Alabama situation because Alabama and Texas had a home and home where it made business sense to keep it on the schedule for 2022 and 2023. If, Georgia had kept the, the Georgia would have only been able to keep the game at Oklahoma. So it, from bit, from a business standpoint, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to have a one-off where Oklahoma gets that money and Georgia doesn't get the return trip. You don't do that when you're at the level of Georgia. So I, I don't fault them at all. I mean, it's a bad situation. Obviously I wish they were playing Oklahoma. It'd be a lot better, but no, you can't hold that against them. No other team in their right mind would have kept that, especially when Alabama was the team that wouldn't actually play a true road game in non conference conference play for over a decade but that's either here or there i come back to this georgia is going to get the benefit of the doubt they deserve the benefit of the doubt when you win two national championships in a row you're getting the benefit of the doubt they can go into that SEC championship 12 and 0 lose that game still make the college football playoff and if your argument is all oh, but what about usc oh what about oregon what about this team that team uh, sorry when you haven't done it in the college football playoff it changes how we talk about you and that, that to me is why georgia is sitting in a situation where man, how can you not pencil them into the playoff? You you have to really have them losing two games in order to not make the playoff. Maybe it'll hurt them in terms of like whether or not they can win a national championship. Maybe it'll be shade to 2018 Bama, a team that really didn't look like it was challenged enough in the regular season. And then obviously they get challenged by Georgia the championship challenged by Clemson, who just blew them out of the water in the national championship that year. But Man, I I still think that Georgia's got as clear of a path of the playoff as anyone right
1: now. Well, speaking of clear paths, you have to have a clean non-conference schedule to where you put nothing but W's up, and you had a tremendous article about the five toughest non-conference slates in the SEC, and tell us a little bit about why you had Ole Miss at five, Alabama at four, LSU at three, South Carolina at two, and florida at one
4: yeah i mean Florida's florida schedule like what a year to 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 have this this slate where utah returns cam rising as their starting quarterback and i understand last year utah loses that game in the swamp but have to go and start the season in salt lake city and then, oh by the way you know, you get to close the regular season against Florida State where Florida State is kind of the ultimate good vibes team in college football this off season and they're they're probably going to be starting off close to the top 5 in the country maybe close to it like 6 7 range so to me that that kind of takes the cake you know i think Alabama having to play Texas is an extremely difficult game. I mean, we saw it last year in a game in which Quinn Ewers wasn't even available for the final three quarters of that game, and it was still went down to the wire. Alabama needed a last-minute field goal. So, yeah, to me, I look at that Texas game, a team that many people will pick to win the Big 12 this year, and I think that's really difficult. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the gist of it. Old Miss, how about Ole Miss having to go to Tulane this year? Tulane fresh off a New Year Six Bowl victory against USC, wherein Michael Pratt, ends up beating Caleb Williams in in that duel and Michael Pratt comes back this year they return a ton of production this year even though they lose Ty J Spears so yeah I I look at at things like that to me it's not so much about how strong is your FCS opponent that you're facing but more so about the games that that can truly trip you up
1: yeah I I agree with you about that Alabama Texas game and especially Ole Miss at Tulane South Alabama is going to have an opportunity to get a crack at Tulane also and LSU and opening up with Florida State in Orlando. Everyone's looking forward to that matchup to see, even though it's non-conference, like you mentioned, the fact of where LSU was able to lose this game and still salvage it, salvage its season and become an SEC West champion.
4: Yeah, it's a great game, and I'm not just saying that because I'm admittedly biased. I live in Orlando. I'm I'm looking forward to being at that one on Sunday night to kick off the season. I, I'm really excited because both of these teams are in such a different place than they were last year when they met New Orleans. When they met last year in New Orleans at Sunday night game, it was a mess. I mean, it, those two teams were so sloppy. You had careless penalties. You had bad offensive possessions. I mean, it just looked like two teams that lacked an identity, and it was so fitting that, that the game was decided on, on a blocked extra point attempt like that. I mean, that that just perfectly fit the 60 minutes of football that we saw. They figured things out. Both teams did. I mean, we're going to see an LSU team that did not have Harold Perkins playing much in that game at all last year. They did not have Mason Smith playing much in that game because he got injured in the first quarter of that game. And he was expected to be like, potentially a Jalen Carter-type guy for that defense. So in the FSU, I mean, they played so well down the stretch after losing three in a row in the middle of the season. Everybody's questioning if Mike Norvell is going to be the long-term guy. So I look at that matchup, and I, I'm really excited. I know that everybody's poo-pooing. the the neutral site matchups, which I get to a certain extent, I will not poo-poo the ones that are here in my backyard in Orlando.
2: Talking to Connor O'Gara Saturday down south. Connor, who is going to start at quarterback for Alabama against Texas, and will it be the same person who starts the Iron Bowl, injuries aside, barring injury?
4: Yeah, man, I'm sticking with Ty Simpson. I, I, I am, and it may be against my better judgment because I've really dug a lot into Tyler Buckner and his kind of his background. I'm pretty sure I was born at the same hospital as Tyler Buckner, Evanston hospital, shout out to them um, back in the suburbs of Chicago. But yeah, I look at this, this battle and I do think that Ty Simpson gives you the best chance to execute the Tommy Reese offense. And I say that as someone who's admittedly looking into a very small sample size, but that's kind of what we have at Jalen Millrow. Jalen Millrow was not in a situation like what I thought Mac Jones was in at the end of 2019, where the small sample size was actually really promising, despite the two pick sixes and the Iron Bowl. I think Jalen Milrow's ball security is a bit of an issue. I think he still makes too many of those plays that kind of frustrate you, and this is an Alabama team that I think we forget. Look, as great as they've been from a passing standpoint, the ability to avoid those mistakes has been huge. They haven't had 10 interceptions in a season since 2015, ironically enough, with Jay Coker, who's considered their last game manager at the position. So I look at it from that standpoint and i say who's going to give you the, the best chance to be able to minimize some of those mistakes i think ty simpson's that guy even though he's got a little bit of that bow nicks in him where he wants to roll out of the pocket when there's not pressure there i think buckner makes too many of those mistakes he's averaging 14.7 passes per interception in his career i mean that that's not necessarily a mark that nick saban wants to roll with i don't think so my guess is that ty simpson the former five star is going to be the guy to start off and as long as he stays healthy that job is to lose
1: Connor O'Gara, senior national columnist for Saturday Down South. No news is good news for Auburn Tiger fans because there was this kind of breaking, not breaking story over the weekend. And the Auburn Athletics Program issued a blanket statement saying that they were aware and suspensions have been made to certain athletes, didn't go into naming the athletes. But it's been kind of quiet since that story did break. Are we looking for Auburn to lose depth possibly after everything does come out.
4: Yeah, I, I don't want to speculate on what the, the situation is going to be for those who did see the, the Dracois Hunter story that that came out. Um you can search on the internet if you want to read what the what the, the content of that is related to. But here's the good thing if you're Auburn, despite the fact that you could in theory, if if that suspension if that's who we're talking about here if if it does end up being an indefinite suspension which you know take those for what they are in may that can mean a lot of different things the good news is that hugh freeze has recruited his tail off in the transfer portal i mean the job that he has done 19 in 19 out he has taken the approach that i thought brian harson should have had and seeing how active he has been not just oh we're gonna get a a quarterback because i need to be able to run my offense but Being willing to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to take three group of five starters and make them offensive linemen for me immediately that I can plug and play because they're multi-year starters. I I love seeing him do that. I love recognizing that Auburn really needed to add some depth at receiver. It, it kind of remains to be seen whether or not they're going to have enough guys to really look the part there, but man, I, I just think that his approach has been the exact right one in getting Peyton Thorne, who I expect to be QB1, to start off the year while Robbie Ashford continues to develop. I, I just like the moves that he has made, so even if they do face some issues with a potential suspension, I think he's given them a better chance to be able to work through those in year one.
1: Connor, have about thirty. 30- seconds left with you i know you're a heisman voter will there be a back-to-back heisman winner this year in your eyesight
4: probably not probably not i I, do i think caleb williams is going to be the first guy to do that in half a century no like i i just don't maybe maybe i'll be wrong on that but I don't know, it's difficult for these guys to be able to do it. We've seen Lamar try and run it back. It's tough. We've seen Bryce Young try and run it back. It's tough. There are just so many things that can kind of get in the way. It's kind of hard to follow that arc and continue on that level to be the best individual player in college football. So my guess would be no, but that's not really very specific. Who knows? Maybe Caleb Williams will prove me and a lot of other people wrong.
1: Love it. Connor O'Gara, Senior National Columnist for Saturday Down South, joining us here on The Final Drive. How can everyone follow all of your great coverage?
4: Yeah, appreciate that. SaturdayDownSouth.com. I always say it's the one-stop shop for any college sports fan. Bookmark it. You got, you know, lean times coming up in, in the month of May and June. And, you know, you need a college football website to get you through. And we got all things college baseball as well, college softball, basketball, news. I mean, all over the place. Uh, I always tell people just bookmark that. Follow us on Twitter at SatDownSouth. Follow me on Twitter at C.J. O'Gara. And, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be cranking out content throughout the offseason.
1: Thank you so much for joining us here on The Final Drive. Look forward to meeting you at SEC Media Days. Appreciate it. Talk soon. Connor O'Gara joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back.
5: My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5.
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I want to thank Connor O'Gara, Saturday down south. And of course, there'll be plenty of Saturdays down south, 99 days away from college football beginning. And at the top of the hour, we have Andrew Bone. Of course, we have three Alabama prospects here in the Mobile Baldwin County area. You look at Sterling Dixon Jr., Perry Thompson from Foley, and of course, you have Ryan Williams, who's a 2025 verbal commit. We'll see if the tie plan on adding any more from the state of Alabama and who they've already added. Andrew Bone coming up at the top of the hour, and of course, we recapped the fact that Darius Miles denied bond, the former University of Alabama. Player, and we also gave you a preseason all conference athlon players. South Alabama, with 18 of those players on the list. And we'll give you a wrap up of the SEC players as well. Four o'clock coming up, Andrew Bone, and then five o'clock hour, Damian Craig, wide receivers coach for the Texas AM Aggies, scheduled to join us here on the final drive. On WNSP 105.5 with Corey LeBounty and my producer, Michael Brawner.
0: Welcome to hour number two
1: of the Final Drive. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer Michael Brawner, joining you on this Hump Day, Wednesday. Hope you've had a phenomenal day and outstanding week so far. And of course, the SEC Baseball Tournament going on in Hoover, Alabama. The Alabama Crimson Tide set to take on the Florida Gators at 4:30, and Auburn will play the nightcap against the number four-seeded Vanderbilt. Commodores Alabama winning four to zero yesterday over Kentucky and Auburn with a comfort behind victory 10 to four over the Missouri Tigers and currently in Hoover Alabama the Texas A&M Aggies gave up a big dinger to the Arkansas Razorbacks and now trail five to four in the SEC baseball tournament but as We are 99 days away from college football. That means we're even closer to high school football, and there's plenty of recruiting that has been going on at all the spring games that I've seen so far. And one of the great recruiting gurus for the Alabama Crimson Tide joins us now, Andrew Bone, and he is with BamaInsider.com. Andrew, good afternoon, and welcome to the final drive. Good afternoon. How you guys doing today? Man, absolutely too blessed to be stressed. Thank you so much for asking. And it is that time of year to where recruitment ramps up. Of course, you've seen Nick Saban in Rome, in Italy and uh, overseas getting his last vacation in before the recruitment period hits to where you have guys coming on campus to your camps and get this last look of spring games in. But Mobile and Baldwin County no stranger to the three players who have already verbally committed to the Crimson Tide that being Sterling Dixon Jr. from Mobile Christian, Uno Thompson from over in Foley and of course 2025 prospect maybe one of the best in the country Ryan Williams from Saraland.
6: Yeah, it's a pretty good start for Alabama uh, down in uh, down in the Mobile area. Uh, yeah, I say um you, know, uh, you look at guys like Ryan Williams and Perry Thompson who both committed uh last summer uh you know really Ryan Williams i guess it was in in October and then Perry Thompson had committed in in June, you know, those guys have been committed for a while, but still taking visits, still enjoying the process a little bit. Uh, Ryan was in uh, Athens, Georgia uh, this past weekend. He's going to be taking some visits this summer. I know he's going to be getting back to Tuscaloosa. He mentioned to me uh, that he wants to get a visit into uh, to Texas, maybe USC. And then with uh, Perry Thompson you know, coming up, this month, or this next month, in June, first weekend of June, he's going to be taking an official visit to Alabama, and then he's got an official visit to Auburn, uh, scheduled for the 16th through the 18th, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see uh, what really transpires there, because there's been a lot of talk uh, on the Auburn side of things for months that Perry Thompson was on the uh, on the verge of flipping to the Tigers. I talked to Perry uh, last week, and you know he said that you know, as of right now, he's still very solid with his commitment. Still feels very comfortable with Alabama, but at the same time, you're still taking visits. You're still talking to other programs. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a 100% commitment. Um, so you got to kind of watch, wait and see how everything unfolds. He's going to be in Tuscaloosa, like I said, next weekend. So if Alabama could potentially get him to cancel uh the visit to Auburn. I, I don't know if they're necessarily gonna say, Hey, we don't want you going to Auburn, don't take the trip, but a good official visit to the program that you're committed to, you know, that could potentially uh, you know, shut things down for him. So we'll watch that pretty closely. And then Sterling Dixon uh out of Mobile Christian uh committed to Alabama back on December the first. Now, you know, one thing about Sterling's recruitment is you know, he really kind of committed to the program, not necessarily a coaching staff, but he's seen some coaching changes on the Alabama team uh, since that decision. You know, it went from uh, Pete Golding uh, leaving and going to uh, to Ole Miss, and then uh, Alabama hired Austin Armstrong as its inside linebackers coach. Austin Armstrong was only in town for about, uh, for about a month uh, before he took the uh, defense coordinator position at the University of Florida. So now you got Kevin Steele, Robert Bala, uh, recruiting Sterling. And I would say during the month of March and April, there was a lot of chatter that he was on the verge of potentially reopening his recruitment, potentially flipping Auburn, certainly a a top contender in his recruitment as well. And, And he visited Auburn two or three times since January. So there's a lot of interest. In the Tigers, but talked to uh, to Sterling about a week ago, and he said that he's more comfortable than ever with uh, with Alabama, his commitment to Alabama, more so because of the relationship that he's built uh, with Kevin Steele, with Robert Ballon. Such a short notice, but. One thing about the relationship with Kevin Still is it does go back a long time. Uh, I met him when he was only in, uh, I think, coming out of the eighth grade. So he's known Kevin Still for a, for a while. But we'll have to wait and see how these uh, these official visits go this summer. That's what it's all about. You know, Once you kind of get into the summer, anything can happen. Anything can change. You know, last summer, you know, we kind of went into it thinking that Alabama was behind for a lot of guys, including you know, Justice Haynes, uh, who was a Georgia legacy, Caleb Downs. Uh, who was probably going into the summer, a top two of Ohio State and Georgia. But then the official visits happened. You get a chance to sit down, uh, you know, not only with the coaching staff, but you get a chance to sit down with uh, your academic advisors. You get a chance to sit down with uh, current players on the team and, and get a feel uh, for the you know environment and you know what you 're going to be around for the next three to four years, uh, and can you see yourself there? Do you feel like you fit in uh, and is it something that you want to be a part of so that's what uh, that 's what the summer's all about for a lot of the top end guys, but there 's also a lot of guys who are going to be coming in uh, for all the football camps that are going to be taking place. I think Alabama has something like ten football camps. In the month of uh, June, a lot of them are high school camps, individual camps, uh, where you're going to see you know, all these different position groups, But they're also going to have an O-line, D-line camp. They're going to have a special teams camp, and um, you know, there's a lot of top guys that can earn offers uh, during those. Uh, during the, I was going to say during those weekends, but during those days, because they're kind of throughout the entire week, you've got camps on. Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and it's like every single week in the month of uh, in the month of June. So, really busy time, and it is definitely the uh, the busiest time uh, of um, uh, of the recruiting process for most of these kids, and, and certainly the busiest time for for us, just because it's an every day um, of the month type thing. As far as just a ton of information coming out, you know, a ton of uh, ton of kids making decisions, ton of, ton of kids making uh, receiving offers. But also, uh, you know, the official visits as well.
1: We're speaking with Andrew Bone, BamaInsider.com, covering Alabama and recruiting for over 19 years. Kevin Steele was here in Theodore, Alabama last week, looking at Cam Pruitt and probably even more, but Cam Pruitt is a star slash. Wide receiver slash linebacker type of player that I think that Alabama has shown a lot of interest in as well.
6: Yeah, yeah, he certainly is, I think, and I believe he's cousins with uh, with Sterling Dixon, and they, uh, they're they're very close. So you know, I think Cam's planning on going up to Alabama's camp this summer. Um, you know, definitely somebody that that they like that they have uh, you know shown a lot of interest in, and uh, I think the biggest thing with him is you know what position is he going to play. Uh, in college, how much bigger uh, is he going to potentially get? Is he a safety? Can he potentially be, uh, you know, a, a, an inside linebacker? Will he play on the outside? I think those are some of the questions that Alabama's going to have, uh, yeah, along with some of the other top programs that are recruiting him. But, you know, definitely one of the best overall players in the state of Alabama, and, and uh, you know, he's got a very extensive offer list. And I, I think, you know, him going out to a lot of different places this summer is only going to help him uh, even more.
2: Andrew I want to go back to uh, Ryan Williams for just a second obviously took the trip to Athens last weekend you know video came out he's doing uh, workouts with a lot of Georgia commits Dylan Raiola and I car uh, what are your thoughts in general when when you see something like that a, a recruit who's committed to Alabama and he's taking a visit to Georgia. obviously you know he's 2025 he's going to take as many visits as he can and why, why wouldn't he uh, but you know when you see something like that obviously these players these recruits are the best recruiters rather than the coaches themselves I do you take a lot of stock into that like is he on flip watch for Georgia like or, or is it kind of you know you you're not all, all too worried about something like that. You know, I
6: think it's um, you know it's always something to watch whenever kids. You know, not necessarily the first trip. I think it's more so the the second trip, the third trip, the fourth trip, the official visits. When when they start taking uh, more trips to those schools, um, you know, you start to pay attention, pay pay a little bit more attention. We saw that last year. Uh, You know, Tony Tony Mitchell taking uh, multiple trips to Auburn and to Texas A and M after his commitment to to Alabama. Um, You know, Ryan Williams. This was his second visit to Georgia um he visited Georgia earlier this year and you know he certainly has a uh, you know good feeling about Georgia as far as you know just the overall program um and just seeing the way that it's run but at the same time i would be you know shocked right now if he were to flip uh to anywhere i think he's really comfortable with his commitment to Alabama uh you know really loves the coaching stuff there has a lot of good connections there uh as far as um you know players on the team uh guys who are committed to Alabama in the 2024 and 2025 recruiting classes is already got really close with guys who were uh freshmen at Alabama now including uh Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes as I mentioned and he mentioned Caleb Downs to me the other night when we were speaking uh just um about Caleb's you know first six months in Tuscaloosa and how well it's been going and our first five months in Tuscaloosa and, and you know just the uh, how prepared he was getting there and, and how he just needs to be prepared uh, get into the playbook before he even gets on campus and that's something that uh, you know kind of stood out to him but you know, I'm, I'm not too concerned um, but it, you know some of these other guys who are taking visits and we mentioned them already guys like Perry Thompson guys like Sterling Dixon who have taken more multiple visits to other programs, even though they say they are solid with their decision. I think it's still something that you have to kind of watch and keep in the back of your mind that, hey, you know, Alabama's out there trying to flip other kids uh, from other programs. Uh, You know, DeMarcus Reddick, who's the the best linebacker, uh, one of the best linebackers in the country, Out of Chilton County High School in state. Now, that's a guy that they're really hoping that they can flip away from the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, You know, they they know that other programs are out there trying to flip their kids as well.
1: Clay Chalkville, I think, has a recent commit to Alabama verbally. And, And the biggest, to me, the biggest recruiter is not your position, coach. It's going to be the player themselves, and what better recruit than you can have when you put on that hat saying, hey, this is where I'm going to go. I know Alabama had one this weekend from Parker High School. The the, the recruits keep coming, and these are four- and five-star guys right here in their state of Alabama.
6: Yeah, you know Alabama's off to a really good start in the state, and they you know they want to keep it that way. There's some other big targets in the state that they you know that they really hope to sign. You know, I mentioned uh, that they're really hoping to flip Demarcus Riddick, but they got to keep the guys uh, that are on board as well. And you know they they you know really hit a home run early on in the process last summer when they got a commitment, you know, really two commitments in the month of June from uh, from Jalen and Bakway uh five star cornerback out of Clay Chalkville. and then, you know, as as we already mentioned, uh Perry Thompson out of Foley. And, you know, then you get Sterling Dixon. Now you go and you get uh Jeremiah Beeman out of Parker High School who's six foot five, uh well probably about six foot four, uh two hundred and sixty five pounds. Um, you know, Alabama missed on a couple guys in the Birmingham area last year, some guys that went uh out of state including uh peter woods uh and kelby collins peter Woods going to Clemson. kelby collins going to florida they really wanted to uh you know make sure that they kind of locked down some of their priority targets uh in this year's class which they did last year as well they just kind of you know really uh i think you look back and you're thinking well you know they didn't sign peter woods or kelby collins but they did get a lot of other big names in the state, uh, including the top two players with Clay Russo and, uh, and James Smith. So, you know, there's going to be other programs that are going to come into this state um, that are going to do well. There's, you know, so much talent in this state every single year uh, that you can't – Land every single top player, and you know Auburn. You know, I think their recruiting recruiting is going to pick up even more uh, under Hugh Freeze, and you've seen the um, you know you see the guys that are coming in and, and visiting Auburn, you know, including players who are committed to Alabama. So I don't think Alabama is going to be able to get every top player in the state anymore, but they're certainly doing a good job of uh, of picking up some some big early commitments. But now you got to you got to keep a hold of them all the way through signing day.
1: Andrew, how can everyone follow all of your great coverage for everything Alabama as far as, especially from a recruiting standpoint, as, again, next month we start to sizzle and things heat up across the country from a recruiting standpoint?
6: Absolutely. You can follow us at BamaInsider.com. We are part of the On 3 Sports network uh we cover it all recruiting uh team coverage uh, from football basketball baseball softball uh we've got it all on uh, bamainsider.com so come check us out you can also follow me on my twitter handle uh at andrew the letter j phone
1: andrew appreciate your coverage today and taking time to take out for the final drive and we look forward to talking to you again real soon
6: all right, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: See you. And Andrew Bone, joining us this afternoon on the final drive, and we'll be right back.
5: This is C.J. Mosley, inside linebacker, and you listen to the Sports Station, WNSP, one zero five
0: five. The way we, we do. Bone burning.
1: back to the final drive here on Left WNSP 105.5. And, of course, giving props Working to the late Tina Turner, who passed away today. And, of course, that's one of my favorite Tina Turner songs of all times. Tina Turner dead at the age of 83 years old, so definitely wanted to get some of her bumper music in today's show. And, of course, when we got off the phone with Andrew Bone, and he was talking about the Alabama recruits and being on campus. There's nothing like being on campus when you have other rivalries that are going on between different schools, especially when you have the Iron Bowl, whether it's in Jordan hair or at Bryant Denny. One of the best college rivalries, too, is the Georgia-Florida matchup. And it used to be called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, but they've kind of refrained from that because of of the drinking underage drinking content they they removed that name they 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 don't like to call it that that's news to me yeah man i mean just because the underage drinking aspect of it but I still think oh, that, that,
2: that removing that name will certainly keep keep underage drinking from happening. It's really really good that they that they made the brave move to change the name because if you were a nineteen year old college student at the Georgia Florida game and you felt empowered to drink before, boy oh boy, them changing that name, no way you are having a beer they, now.
1: They, they definitely they they definitely drop it, but Georgia and Florida playing in Jacksonville will continue to happen. For the 24 and 25 seasons, and there's been a lot of lobbying between both fan bases. It should be on the campus of Florida. It should be on the campus of Georgia. It should be a home and home situation. But Jacksonville has done a tremendous job standing by the game. And in 20 and 24 and 2025, the Georgia Florida matchup will continue to take place at TIAA Stadium. And we mentioned that the Jaguars possibly having to relocate because of stadium issues and upgrades so we'll see if if that plays into this but now it's not a home and home series it's it's staying put and and do you like the fact that robberies like that do stay put
2: well and so it's been in Jacksonville now for how long it's well, been, it's been a pretty long, long time it's, yeah, it's been a long time so you know from a tradition standpoint i guess it should stay in Jacksonville. I don't know how Georgia and Florida fans fit. I remember Kirby was was trying to get a change to a home and home, which I feel like it probably should be a home and home, but I guess if it's been in Jacksonville for so long and that's like that's the big thing for Jacksonville, I get it. Like why 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 change it if it ain't broke, but uh I, I don't know. There There is something special about, you know, take the Iron Bowl, for example. It's yeah. like, oh, it's in Brian Danny one year. It's in it's Ole in Miss, Jordan Mississippi State,
1: State, you pick a rivalry. Yeah. But you, you you asked the question the last time that the game was not played in Jacksonville. It was when TIAA Stadium was being built in 95 okay. and 96. And, of course, that was a home-and-home home series in Athens so and Gainesville. So did it always used to be a home-and-home? Home? No, I'm, I think that traditionally this one has been one that, becoming an annual matchup in 1926 and you know Florida and Georgia meeting back in 1904 and six different cities have hosted that matchup you know because I just mentioned the home and home with Athens and Gainesville you had Jacksonville Macon, Savannah and Tampa but it's Again, the unofficial world's largest outdoor <laughs> cocktail party. Can't say that though. You no, know, they don't. They don't like when you when you do say that. But uh, I, I think that having the game on campus for Florida or Florida Georgia, again, you love the the mystique of being able to show off your locker room and be able to show off your facilities and and your fans' excitement. But seeing the way that that stadium is split fifty fifty. It, it, it's, it's just cool. a robbery it, it's fun yeah it, it, it is cool and and i like the fact that it's going to stay there in jacksonville for a couple of more years now after that 2024 2025 matchup they may possibly change it to somewhere else and we'll see exactly what they decide to do and while we're still talking college football lane kiffin Decides to perform at his daughter's graduation in the backyard. Gets on the guitar and and plays oh. some of those eighty hits. That he plays he's guitar with. now, huh? Hey, I'm not gonna say he what well, he may pluck it. He he can I'm pick it a say little he bit, can huh? Play it, but know some basic chords. And yeah, hey, look, was Lane he Kiffin, any good? Hey, look, I'm gonna have to, to 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 look at the footage, and we'll let the footage be the predictor there. Lane Kiffin on the on the guitar. What he play? Likes he had a poison T-shirt on, so that lets you know one of his <laughs> favorite '80s groups for sure. He's, a, he's a cool dude. He, he's just as laid back as they come. And you, when you talk about college football and and who was successful in college football, the name DJ Fluker from right here in Mobile and Baldwin counties, whether is it McGill tulin High School. A a lot of success in the NFL from a big old lineman, but he officially worked out for the Eagles today. And we mentioned he shredded over 100 pounds. Yeah, he's always looked like a monster. Yeah, he looks good. But now he's having an opportunity to to really participate with the Eagles, and I'm hoping the best for DJ Fluker and making that Eagles roster because I think that having another local player – Having the ability to make that roster will be be pretty pretty exciting for all parties involved and michael brauner at what age at running back should you try to come back make a comeback
2: at what age should you try to make a how long have you been retired for three years uh well. I I would say past the age of like thirty four is <laughs> is about is about too late there. I'm not sure where you're going with this one. though.
1: Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go w- with the route of of someone that I love watching play was Adrian Peterson. Really, Adrian Peterson. No way. Wants an opportunity at thirty eight years old. He has oh. not officially retired. Says, look, he still has a little gas in the tank. Now he's only eighty two yards shy of fifteen thousand for his career
2: might take him 10 games to get 82 yards.
1: <laughs> and, and look 351 yards from tying barry sanders fourth all time wow. on the rushing list I will mean... anybody take a chance to give ap the
2: rock like probably not <laughs> well i mean why why like just why would you at, at this point you can pay uh pay a 29 year old the same amount of money or even less uh well maybe not less but probably the same amount of money and probably get better production out of him so
1: well okay would you take as a gm would you go with mark ingram or adrian peterson
2: uh mark ingram i think mark ingram was in the league last year so
1: well ap last time in the league was 2021 yeah one game with the Seattle Seahawks and three with the Tennessee Titans. I'm
2: partial to Mark Ingram on that one for obvious reasons. I
1: don't know. AP was built like the Incredible Hulk, too. And Some of the things he
2: did... He hasn't I, been good in a decade.
1: Well, I... I
2: Man, a decade might be an overstatement. There, I, I will but say
1: this. I would love to see AP in an OTA or get sure. a chance at a camp.
2: Be a nice story. Sure.
1: 38 years old. AP. 15 yards short. Give that man the rock. Let him go ahead and try 12 to 12 carries for 15
2: yards in a game. He'll <laughs> get it done.
1: Give, give him the rock. 82 yards total for 15,000. Michael Braun, AP, give him the rock. See what happens. The final drive. We'll be right back.
4: Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5.
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte, along with my producer, Michael Brawner, joining you this afternoon. And, of course, plenty of going on in the college football world to cover, even though it's the offseason. And Travis L. Brown, reporter for the Eagle, covering the Texas A&M Athletics, joins us this afternoon on the final drive. Travis, good afternoon. How are you doing? Doing well. How are y'all? Man, absolutely. Too blessed to be stressed. And I tell you, your Texas A&M Aggies are putting up a fight with the Arkansas Razorbacks here at the top of the 10th inning in the
3: SEC tournament. Yeah, a little bonus baseball for those out in Hoover.
1: Yeah, I mean, Alabama, they were delayed yesterday, couldn't start on time, and today they'll be delayed to a game going extra innings, but... The, the Aggies trying to upset the Razorbacks that to be that'll be something not really surprising from a, a ranking standpoint in the SEC is these teams have been beating up on each other all season long
3: yeah uh, A&M is all about if their pitching shows up especially their starting pitching shows up they have a chance and Nathan Detmer showed up today, and uh, they moved on to Shane Tadeo, who uh, carried the torch uh, a little bit. Uh, but it it seemed to be going the way of the long ball here late in the game. So maybe, maybe they're one swing away from declaring a winner out there in Hoover.
1: Well, I'll tell you, there's always busyness coming out of Aggieland. And Jimbo Fisher, of course, everyone knows about his 10-year contract and having an opportunity to – try to win the SEC West hasn't done so as of yet but Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies what what over under are a lot of people trying to give the Aggies this year will it be SEC West champions or will it be maybe a, a one or two loss A&M team this year
3: yeah you know it's really hard to tell because there's so many moving parts I mean last year I think most people said they needed to be on the uh the double-digit win category, and, and, you know, they they didn't even get to bowl eligibility. So um, they bring in Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator. Jimbo Fisher, at least uh, supposedly as of now, is handing over the keys to to play calling and and letting Bobby Petrino take that over. Uh, And so I think that it's it's, it's hard to to gauge on necessarily how good the team is going to be without kind of seeing how that's meshing. Of course, everything's super vanilla, in A&M spring game, so it's hard to tell much. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I have an over/under yet on this team, but I, I definitely can say uh, they're going to be as good or bad as their offensive line this year is, uh, because that was a huge uh, sticking point in some of the offensive struggles last year. And they, they don't really go out in the transfer portal necessarily and get an instant impact guy, and uh, they, they bring back most of the same guys as last year. So it'll be—it's going to be all about development over the offseason and and how well that sticks but that's going to be the the main factor in in how well the season's going to go.
2: Travis Jimbo obviously able to take down Alabama in 2021 able to get the Aggies to eight and four which obviously took a ton of pressure off and, and answered a bunch of questions and then obviously in 2022 they take a big step back going five and seven. What's the general temperature on Jimbo Fisher right now and if it weren't for that tremendous buyout is there a chance he would already be gone or would his seat be flaming hot right now
3: uh yeah i mean i think i think there's probably a good chance after last season without that buyout that um there there would have at least been some rumbling because he would have been very warm uh last year I, I think the buyout is a is a big factor in that i mean that that is a lot of money. Uh, to throw out there. And and you're not even if you throw that money out there, there's no guarantee of your return on investment. You're just throwing that money out there to see if, if something else works. And uh, I, you know, I think that, um, that, that that the money definitely talks in this situation, but going into the season, uh, I think most Aggie fans are in a, you gotta, you gotta prove something to me state, not a, the, the, the equity in the, uh, the confidence bank and the, uh, the, the the goodwill bank is it's pretty pretty much empty uh, heading into
1: this season what are the one of the most interesting positions to watch for the Aggies of course Alabama and Auburn both in quarterback battles nothing was determined for either one of these teams coming out of the spring of course Alabama five quarterbacks on the roster Auburn Peyton Thorn comes in a transfer portal guy a&M, what's their status? Because I know that it, it's been kind of rough going as far as from a health standpoint.
3: Yeah, I uh, I think, I mean, everyone in Aggieland, around Aggieland assumes that Connor Wegman is going to be the guy. Uh, you know, you, Jimbo Fisher in the past has been a coach that doesn't necessarily like to hype up freshmen before they've even played a snap, played it down, because uh, you don't want to heap that pressure on a guy who's never played college football, but It was different with Connor Wegman. I mean, I know there was some talk about other quarterbacks that they could have had the ability to go get in that class. But from before the time Connor Wegman stepped foot on campus, Jimbo Fisher has has touted him as his guy, as a complete quarterback, as the quarterback for the future. And so uh, I I think the future is now with that. But, um, you know, when you look at the spring game, uh, Max Johnson was every bit as good as Connor Wegman was, again, Hard-to-gauge spring games. Things are really vanilla. They uh, were only playing on 80 yards because uh, parts of Kyle Field were under uh, renovation. They had four offensive line starters of out, so they were moving offensive linemen all around. But that being said, I think everyone would be really surprised if Connor Wigman wasn't the guy. And, and honestly, with the hype that Connor Wigman had coming in, I think that everyone uh, – any goodwill, any hope, any confidence that A&M has in A&M fans having the Aggies and having Jimbo Fisher falls back onto the shoulders of Hunter Wegman. So if he were to come out and name Max Johnson the starter, I think that there would be some, some, some pitchforks and, and some torches uh, coming that way because it was pretty obvious that last year he, he didn't get the quarterback decision correct going with uh, Haynes King early in the season.
2: Travis, why why do you think it hasn't fully come together? For, uh, there's talent on both sides of the ball. There's talent all over the field. I, I mean, the the recruiting has been phenomenal. Uh, is it is the short answer just quarterback? Well, no. I- I think quarterback
3: did have some problems. I think that it's a complicated situation. I think you go back and I think one of the big knocks on Jimbo Fisher last year and really for the past couple of years has been scheme. Uh, They haven't been able to spread out deep uh, defenses at all with any kind of a deep threat that even goes back to when Kellen Mond was the quarterback and uh, Jimbo Fisher first got here, even when they had that great season, they really didn't have that deep threat. They, they just had, uh, a really, really good offensive line. So I think uh, scheme play calling has been uh, a, an issue over the last couple of seasons and being able to to give defensive different looks, have guys in motion, uh, do some different things that isn't just really uh, vanilla. I think offensive line play last year really hurt the quarterback position because uh, they were uh, under pressure and under fire through most of the season. I mean, if you want to look at pro football focus and you sort by the uh, top 5 uh, offensive linemen who had the top 5 amount of pass blocking situations last year only one of them graded over a 70 according to pro football focus and that's uh, Ruben Fathery uh, last year everyone else was well below uh, 70 and and into what you would consider if it was a Uh, academic tests into failing numbers, and so uh, I think getting that offensive line short up and giving those quarterbacks more time uh, will also help some of those issues with scheme, some of those uh, issues on offense. So, uh, yeah, and last year, the run defense was abysmal, too. I mean, you can say that they had the best pass defense in the country, and that's what the stats say, but you go back and look at a game like uh, Auburn where that's not a very good Auburn team. They go in there, and they don't actually even pass the ball against A&M until late in the first quarter, the very first pass, came late in the first first half excuse me, because they were able to run the ball so easily. Why would you pass against uh, uh, a run defense so bad? So um, linebacker needs to be shored up. Offensive line needs to be shored up. Scheme needs to be shored up, and I think that's how A&M takes a step forward this year.
1: Travis, how, how real is the robbery is there still a lot of animosity, or is there a lost friendship between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban?
3: It's hard to tell. You know, they uh, they had their little spat last summer. They came back and said nothing to see here, uh, and, and both said that they've they've shored things up. I, you know, I, I I would certainly think that things aren't completely hunky free between the two after the way things uh, panned out last year, but. Um, you know, it, it that's just kind of part of the SEC. And, and, and frankly, if you want to really look at the rivalries, the the heated back and forth, it's kind of shifted a little bit under the radar towards Jimbo Fisher and Lane tippin because Lane Tiffin will never pass up an opportunity to take a shot at Jimbo Fisher these days. Uh, even at things that aren't even really related to A&M, he'll, he'll take a shot at A&M. So uh, that's kind of the fun of the SEC, though, isn't it, with, with – uh, with with some of these coaches, some of these teams getting each under under each other's skin and and having some fun with that.
1: Absolutely. And Travis, can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the final drive to talk a little Texas A&M, Aggies football and of course later on here at the top of the hour we're scheduled to be joined by Damian Craig, the wide receivers coach right here from Pritchard, Alabama and Blunt High School's finest and can't thank you enough and we'll definitely be calling and leaning on you as we continue to progress toward SEC media days and I guarantee something in between now and SEC media days will be said in between Jimbo Fisher Lane or Coach Saban that will definitely spark our interest once again
3: you got it anytime guys
1: Travis Brown joining us this afternoon here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5 when we come back Broader and I will go ahead and, and recap a little bit about what's going on in the SEC baseball tournament and give our predictions once again on the NBA series and what went on last night with the Celtics continuing to stay alive. And at the top of the hour, of course, Damian Craig is scheduled to join us here on the final drive as he is busy recruiting the very talent rich Mobile and Baldwin County areas. Don't forget WNSP up for seven Nappy Awards. Make sure you vote for the final drive there. Best sports show here on WNSP
5: 105.5. Hey, this is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFL player. You're listening to WNSP.
1: Welcome back to the final drive as we're getting ready to approach the five o'clock hour. And of course, Michael Bronner is a lover of the game of golf. And because of his love of the game of golf, I'm quite sure he Getting would a love, little better. Yeah, yeah. He would love to get those instructions from Nick Saban, who's not too bad of a golfer. Not quite sure what Coach Saban's handicap is, but at his <laughs> I bet it, I bet it's I bet it's low. At his Nick's kids function, of course, a, a golf event to raise money. He was teaching Malachi Moore how to strike or hit a golf ball. And Malachi Moore swinging a miss at the tee. And that's why they don't allow me to go golf. I can putt. But the <laughs> drive game is a little bit different and of course coach Saban loves coaching his defensive backs being a defensive
2: guy himself always be coaching
5: and
1: look he, he he wanted Malachi to keep his head down the first swing Malachi missed the entire golf ball and on the second swing he probably catches just enough of it to send it probably five feet maybe
2: yeah, I, a shank. I don't want to rag on Malachi too hard, but man, that it, it's one of the one of the uglier swings I've ever seen. Yeah, he misses the first one, and then and then yeah, you can't even call it a shank because the ball doesn't get off the ground and just goes directly on a 90 degree angle to the right. Uh, you know, maybe 30 feet to the right. So Malachi, not a golfer. That's all right. We, we don't need him to be a golfer. So I got to ask you, like, you saw the video, and go check it out on Twitter uh, if you're listening, if you haven't seen it, because you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. I, I got to ask you, Corey, who, who's got the better golf swing, you, you or Malachi Moore?
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with myself. I, I at least will make contact with the, with the ball. And like I say, it, mm. it may not go in the direction that I want it to go, but that's why in the game of golf you yell
2: four
1: <laughs> to let everybody know you better get out of the way. And there's a golf ball being launched in what direction? Uh, anyone? Malachi
2: knows. was in. Uh, no one. Knew, no one but, was in any danger no, with Malachi no. swinging the club. The ball wasn't going far enough to or no, off no, the that, ground that was, enough to hurt anyone. It might have rolled up and hit you in the foot. I, so. I know
1: Coach Saban is like, look, you know, I, I've helped you become a better coverage guy. I, I'm trying to help you become a better golfer as well. So Coach Saban, he is now trying to be like Mr. Block, you know, <laughs> and, and, and be that guy. That, that teacher. Help, yeah, that teacher that can get Malachi Moore on a tour. Not the tour, but on a tour.
2: I think Nick Saban's probably, man, he might be number one. Like if you were making a Mount Rushmore of people that you'd want to play a to golf with, he, he he's got to be right, cause I don't like. Of course, you know I'd love to play around a round of golf with with pros, but it, it, it'd just be embarrassing and emasculating at that point. Like if John Rahm is, is striping a drive 350. What well. are you
1: shooting nowadays, Bronner? Man, I, I I'm and getting the there.
2: Heck, I, I I'm getting there. I'm I, I'm I'm low 90s still these days, which well I was over the summer, and then I took a big step back during football season because I wasn't playing. But I shot a 43 on the front nine uh at azalea city last sunday uh because i played 27 holes because i played so bad on the back nine so i played the front nine again uh so 43 was a new career low on nine holes so one of these days it's coming i'm breaking 90 soon it, well, well it's you're coming. not
1: doing like aaron Rodgers does when when he's at camp for the Jets and OTAs, he tweaked his calf. So mm.
2: you didn't—you don't tweak any calf muscles when you're swinging the clubs. No, not—not not to this point. But I, I do walk, so you know my legs after 27 holes kind of felt like they were about to fall off. A little jello there. Yeah. And, and,
1: and another interesting story that has been breaking today. We we've talked about John Morant and his ill-advised decisions that he's made in regards to 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 the gun, but today. John Morant, the police, had to issue a welfare check for his cryptic post that he was making on social media. And it's one of those John Morant is just fine, but he was telling his mom he loves her, telling his pops goodbye, telling his daughter he loved her. And apparently he was just getting ready to take an exodus from social media for a while. But people were really concerned about one John Morant
2: it wasn't good it, it was it was very strange and concerning to see I, you know he had a whole instagram story of very cryptic concerning posts and you know there was a welfare check and he's fine and you know it's all well and good and you, you hope for that but man uh, yeah he's, he, he doesn't seem to be in a good place which you understand why so no, i
1: i think that getting off social media is his best answer yeah. and if he's got his homeboys who are his partners He's got to tell them, look, you you know I'm not on social media, so don't even dare pick up a phone and, and go live or be on Facebook around me. None of that. Don't put yourself in that situation, and that's exactly where he is at this point in time. And if he decides to remove himself from social media, it, obviously that's the best thing for him to do is to just totally be gone off of social media.
2: Yeah, social media, yeah, we, we're you're – talking you're listening to two guys who spend most of their day on twitter so pot calling the kettle black but it's kind of the the worst thing for your mental health so uh you know there's it's never going to be a bad thing to get off of social media and just get out of that world for a while well john morant
1: the welfare check was done
2: all is well
1: with him as far as the reason they did the welfare check is because of the messages that he did have but Glad to see that Jai is okay and hopefully with his removal of social media, he can concentrate on himself and and just become better in a better mental state and focus on the game that's going to make him millions and millions of more dollars. The final drive on WNSP 105.5, top of the hour, scheduled to have Damian Craig, one of Blunt High School's finest, of course, made his time at Auburn and is now the Texas A&M wide receivers coach scheduled to join us next here on WNSP 105.5.
0: Try
1: to Welcome back to the final what's drive here on WNSP like 105.5. Corey Bounty along with my producer, Michael Bronner. Thank you very much, brauner for getting that Tina Turner clip in there, of course, showing her her love and respect there, giving her her roses as she passes away at the age of 83. But definitely iconic in my young life growing up listening to tina turner and of course also growing up had the opportunity to watch damian craig just absolutely slice and dice through defenses here when he was at blunt high school goes on to auburn very successful career at auburn and becomes a most valuable player in the senior bowl here at mobile alabama has an nfl career and now wants to be like his head coach in high school, Ben Harris, and continue to make a difference in collegiate athletes' lives. Damian Craig, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us here on The Final Drive.
5: How you doing, Corey? Glad
1: man, to be with you. Man, I'm absolutely blessed by the best. Anytime I get an opportunity to chop it up with you, I always appreciate it and appreciate you giving me some of your time this afternoon, and you know, Damian, I, I've I've been very proud to to watch your career and, and to cover everything. And again, the level of athletes that come out of Mobile, Alabama, that you grew up watching, and again, per capita, Mobile Baldwin County more NFL athletes than anywhere in the country. When you start looking at the statistics, that's just a great feeling, isn't it?
5: Oh, most definitely. Uh, you know, um, I'm always bragging. You know, in my hometown, you know, I'm, I'm a proud Mobilian, and any chance I get, I get a chance to rub it in. And, uh, you know, if if you can make it out of here, you know, as a, as an athlete, uh, regardless of the sport, you do have an opportunity to go on and, and play at a high level. You know, that's not to say that's who your life is or who you're going to be. But, you know, it's, it's very difficult here. It's very competitive. Um, you have some great coaches here. They develop their players, and uh, you know it's just it's a tradition that's been built, and these young kids continue to carry it on.
1: I absolutely love watching young people aspire to reach their goals, and whether it's at collegiately or in the NFL, and, and to touch bases and know that that hashtag two five one comes right behind it, Damian. And you know when you bring that two five one flavor. To to Texas A and M and have the opportunity to 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 see a new install offensively with the Texas A and M Aggies. I know you have to be excited, coaching wide receivers and and seeing the great things that that the transition that is going on at Texas A and M.
5: Yeah, it's been it's been awesome, man. You know, uh, Coach Trino's come in, and he brings a wealth of knowledge uh, to the game. And it's just been uh, outstanding getting to learn a chance to learn under him, and you know Coach Fisher has his offense and the things that he's done well for so long, and also uh, you know Coach Chaney is working there also now, and uh, we have a great offensive staff, and um, I'm just excited to be in the room with all these these offensive minds.
1: Well, your your wealth of knowledge is is definitely within the game of football, just learning so much when you were a young quarterback at Blunt High School playing for Ben Harris. And, you know, I-, I love Coach Harris to death. Talk about the influence that Coach Harris has had on your life and so many other athletes, not just at Blunt High School, Alabama State, LaFleur, Tomville, every stop that he's made along his coaching career
5: i I tell you this, uh I would not be having this conversation with you if it wasn't for, for Coach Harris matter of fact, when we get done uh we're having dinner tonight, and I think it's half shell, yeah, that's what he's go to half I don't know yeah good food, so we're gonna eat there after this, but uh, you know he played a huge influence you know on my life and my development, and to be honest with you uh once I got to to high school, sorry that's when I decided what I wanted to be in life, you know. And I always tell people, you have to be really careful about picking your role model. You know, it's okay to want to be like Mike. It's okay to love LeBron. And, um, you know, I'm the Dan Marino fan. But I was always conscious of uh, choosing the role model that I could touch. And my role model was my head coach, you know, because I could see who he was and the work that he put in every day and the commitment that he had to being a great uh, not only a great coach, but a great father and husband. And I think uh, we don't talk about that enough because he's he's raised uh, three outstanding daughters, and he's been a, a loyal, faithful husband to his wife, Miss Gwen. And, you know, he was just somebody that, you know, I aspire to, to be like. And I, I tell people this, if I can live to be 150 years old, I wouldn't come close to being what Coach Harris is. And I'm telling you, he laid a a, a foundation. He set a standard uh, to his players that we could never touch. And and if you can become a a quarter of a percent of what he was, uh, you would be successful in life. So that was the goal. And, you know, that's why I'm talking to you now.
2: Talking to Damian Craig, former Auburn quarterback, current Texas A&M assistant. Damian, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Obviously, you work under Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino, another coach with a ton of experience, is is brought in to run the offense this year. I'm I'm curious how the new offensive install is going and exactly what your role in the system is going to be.
5: Oh, it's, it's it's basically you know the same coach is running the system and uh, Coach is coming in and. And adding to uh his the system based off you know his experience and his knowledge, and you know I'll be coaching receivers uh this season, you know last year I was moved to quarterbacks. I've been there going on six years uh four years there as a receiver coach last year I was coaching the quarterbacks, and coach Trino came in he's now coaching the quarterbacks and he's moving back to receivers um so like i said it's been it's been awesome because you have uh more uh knowledge added to the table. And, you know, he's always had success wherever he's been. Uh, he's known as the offensive mind. He's bringing, bringing NFL uh, experience also to the table. And he, had, and he also has SEC experience. So it's, it's it's been awesome. It's been outstanding so far.
1: Damian, how – hard is it when you look at the SEC competition iron sharpens iron so every day you know whether it's ones versus ones or ones versus twos you're, you're just an ankle or a quick injury away from getting that call at quarterback and I know you know you haven't played that position knowing that when you're sitting there as a backup quarterback how important it is to be ready especially in the SEC but just keeping guys healthy for Physically and mentally, how important that is for your room as far as the quarterbacks are concerned in a and m and just playing the quarterback position in general
5: I think it's very difficult um you know only only one guy get to play that position, and you know me, myself once I started playing, it, I became a starter, and that's what I knew um and once I transitioned to to college, I was back up behind Stan and Patrick Mix, Stan White and Patrick Mix. and i never forget uh, my first scrimmage. We had a play where we called Waggle Right, and I was fake, faking the power, and I would roll to my right and pull back in the flat, pull was wide open, I kept the ball, and I ran a 65-yard touchdown. Matter of fact, I cut it across the field. My very first scrimmage, and I come trotting back, and uh, Coach Fisher asked me, he said, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, I just ran a touchdown. He <laughs> said, Well, the guy was open in the flat. Why didn't you throw it to him? I said, Well, I thought I could get more yards than him, than the fullback. He said, Well, first you got to beat him with your head, and then your legs. Mm. And I was, I'm gonna tell you like this now. You you can tell the kid that this day and age, he gonna look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I just scored a 65-yard touchdown. But we, were, I was always looking at the big picture. I was, it was instilled in me about being a team player, and what's the ultimate goal. And then I had to learn how to win, you know, from the sideline and not on the field. And so it's a it's a tough transition. And it also helped me in the pros. I was, a, I was a career backup, but I was always prepared. And when my time came, I was able to have success. You know, you had to make the team every year, you know, a free agent. You got veteran quarterbacks. I had to go out and beat guys that been in the league 10 years. And I did it for four years straight until I had an injury. But I think that preparation helped me because you never know when to come in handy. And last year, we went through three quarterbacks, and uh, the final quarterback was a true freshman. And before the season started, didn't win the job, he got in the tank. And I told him, I said, when, when I turn around, I want to bump into you. And he was like, what do you mean, Coach? I said, we're going to learn on the job. I'm going to teach you how, how to prepare. And his, his first start uh, against old Miss, he threw for 351 yards and four touchdowns. So uh, he took to understanding what it would take uh, to prepare uh, and be a, a top-level quarterback, and I and I was proud of him. But like that's a that's a great question, a very interesting question. And in this day and age, you have guys that are very impatient, and they and they're not willing to to wait on that opportunity.
2: Talking to Damian Craig, Auburn quarterback, A&M now receivers coach. Damian, you being an Auburn man, of course, you're no stranger to hating Alabama. You take that to A&M a few years ago, a rivalry that's obviously heated up a little bit over the last calendar year. So what what is that like, the, the rivalry now between Texas A&M and Alabama?
5: Oh, it's a great rivalry. I think uh, Alabama has a rivalry with every team in the SEC at this point. You know, they've been the standard. They've won championships. And uh, you know, you understand that everything goes through them. Uh so I you know, they've established themselves as a um a great program and uh you understand if you can beat them you have an opportunity to play for an SEC championship or or a national championship. So uh, you know, myself, uh, you know, I grew up in Alabama and I understood about the, 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 the tradition that they already had established. And to me, it was, it was, you know, I always treated it as a, as a game. You know, it's kind of like um, even when you was younger, even when I was at Auburn, you know, it was the last game, but you were still preparing every week to play that game. Sure. It's kind of crazy. Like in all season, you're preparing for that game. So everything that you did, you were preparing to win that game. And it's kind of like you're not overlooking your opponent. You're never overlooking them, but you're preparing 364 days to win one game. And as you're preparing to win that game, it prepares you to win the rest of them. You know, so once you get to the game, now it's a game, you know, so you can't get too high, you can't get too low because the preparation come in the 364 days, and I carry that on as a coach.
1: Well, i tell you, Damien, it's always six degrees of separation. Joni Taylor, the head women's basketball coach for Texas A&M, a good friend of mine. And, of course, she has Robert Mosley on her staff from Mobile, Alabama, and you being on the staff at Texas A&M. What is it about that Texas A&M brand that makes recruits nationally want to be a Texas A&M Aggie? They have an outstanding uh,
5: alumni base. And I, I, I'm not gonna say fan base because they don't approach it that way. Uh, I can give you some facts about that school that's gonna really shock you. Um, they have the largest alumni base in the SEC, over 500,000, and uh, they take pride in what they call it's called the Aggie Network, and it's it's a system that's in place not only for the athletes but for the for the alumni. You know, so they they believe in. Uh, taking care of each other. The average starting salary, if you get a degree from Texas A&M, is about $84,000. And uh, 71% of the alumni stay within 250 miles of College Station. So there's something special there that they believe in. They 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 preach it, they talk it, and they walk it. And once I had a uh, good understanding of, you know, this tradition, you know, I always wanted my son, I'm not gonna lie, I wanted my son to attend Auburn. That's where I met my wife. And I bought a, a duplex and everything was set up. I didn't know what my future would be, but it, long story short, he decided that he didn't want to attend Auburn. He says, You're in mama school, not mine. I was like, Okay, all right, where, where do you want to go to school? You know, so he was going to go to Florida State. Once I got to uh Texas a&m I learned about this tradition and the economy of Texas. And I kind of brought him up and I said, you need to take a look at this. You know, you know. let's talk about your life once you graduate. And he decided to go in am and and he graduated. Now he's at uh, Southern Cal in, in, in grad school there in acting school. But that was a catapult for him to get his career started because there's a ton of opportunities there. So I know it sounds like a recruiting pitch, but it's, it is what it is. So you ask the question, it's, it's a lot of positive things outside of football that that place has to offer.
1: Yeah, I, a lot of positive things that you can see going on at Texas A&M. And within your own career moving forward, Damien. I, I know that you're excited to be part of the Texas A&M program and have done a tremendous job not only coaching there, recruiting there, and football's just in your blood. It's something that when your playing days were over, you go from the physical side to the mental side. And I know you still love being around the game and – Outstanding job by you each and every time that you have an opportunity to come back to the port city and give back and show love, not only to Coach Harris but your former teammates at Blunt High School as well. If I had to t- ask you, what is your your most memorable either high school, collegiate, or pro moment that Damian Craig
5: has had? Ooh man, you talking about? Okay. Uh, A long span, big high span. School, yep. Man, high school was, was, was beating Viger on Halloween night. Uh, Coach Harris' dad died that week, and I think we, we, had never, we hadn't beat him in 20-some years, and it was our senior year. We ended up beating him 7-0. to They were number one in 6A. We were number two in 5A, and we beat him at the last stadium. Uh, college, I would say, uh, man, Okay, I'm breaking uh, the record with you know, the individual deal, but I was, I'm still an all-time single-season passing leader. I was first quarterback that's over 3,000 yards at any major university in the state of Alabama. You know, I'm always known for the people think anyway. Oh, uh, well, He ran the ball all the time. I'm still an all-time leading pass single-season, which is over 3,500 yards, and only two quarterbacks in the history have of Auburn off 3,000 yards, me and Jerry Stidham. And then the NFL, I threw for 611 yards in a game in my helmet and jersey in the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Um, so you know I've accomplished a lot. You know, winning two state championships, but you know that's that's on the top of the list. Um, but that that game under the circumstances, uh, Halloween night was was really really huge for not for me, but for my for my head coach.
1: No question about it, Damian Craig. I'll please give Coach Harris my best. He was at the new Snake Pit at Lafleur High School when they opened up that new stadium, so had a chance to to chop it up with him. But always give Coach Harris my best and wish you the best as far as moving forward with the Texas A&M Aggies this season for sure. And Damien, thank you so much for your time and appreciate you jumping on the final drive with Corey LeBount and Michael Bronner this afternoon.
5: No problem, man. Anytime.
1: Damian Craig, one of the true legends of Mobile, Alabama and the Pritchard game with, with Blunt and viger that rivalry that's second to none in all of high school football. We'll put the finishing touches here on the final drive and we'll get ready to throw it deep with Michael Broner, and all the NFL talk that he has coming up at the top of the hour as well.
5: Hello mobile.
1: This is Damian Craig and I'm listening to Sports Station WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5 and want to thank everyone for tuning in today and all our great guests Kano O'Gara Saturday down South joined us Andrew bone talking a little tired recruiting Travis Brown joins us to talk the Aggies and of course who better than to talk about the Aggies than? Blunt High School's own Damian Craig. Of course, he's an assistant coach on Jimbo Fisher's staff, so we want to thank him for his time. Alabama and Florida about to get started in the SEC tournament. Arkansas crushes one and walks it off with a W over Texas A&M. Again, double elimination. And, of course, Auburn takes on Vanderbilt tonight, and we'll see if the Tigers can continue their nice run in the postseason and we mentioned earlier about Jimmy Butler and the Heat coming up short and far as them wanting to sweep the Celtics so tomorrow we'll have plenty to to plan to see when they go back to Boston whether it'll be a six game or whether it will end in five and of course don't forget to go to www.votenappies.com you can go ahead and Choose any of the seven WNSP nominations. We would love to see one of you go ahead and vote for the final drive as well with Michael Brauner and myself for the best sports show there. Don't forget, a week from today is when the nappy voting. Does in so you can go to www.vote.napi. plenty
2: of time to get them
1: in.com. Plenty once a day you can go ahead and get it in, but make sure that when you do vote, you do vote for the final drive for the best sports show. Been a pleasure. You're getting ready to go deep, Michael Brauner. So if you don't have an opportunity to check that out, make sure you do. And if you have not, make sure you do. Michael does a great job with that we'll talk to you again tomorrow with more sec results and we have another full show scheduled for you tomorrow tide and tiger thursday edition coming up tomorrow here on wnsp 105.5 with the world famous harlem globe charters and my favorite station is wnsp sports radio 105.5 fm